a week has passed since I last saw you. If you're, if you're new here, if you weren't here for the welcome, uh, I am not the pastor of FBC. I'm a pastor. I'm the campus pastor here. So glad to have each and every one of you here today. Uh, the pastor is out of town, and so I'm just going to let you guys early. Uh, let you guys go early. Why not? Uh, no, if I did that, I would be in a lot of trouble. Hopefully you had a wonderful week. Um, last week it was Veterans Day, so if you are a veteran, just let us say thank you real quick. Thank you very much for your service. Uh, if you want to give a round of applause, you can. Uh, I, get, I get to do what, what I get to do because of the freedom that we have, and that's, that's an amazing thing. Uh, last week, we started a new series, and this series is called More Human Than Human, and it's all about Peter, okay? And we're looking at the life of Peter, and I said that he's more human for a couple reasons. One reason is that he lived life so intensely, kind of more than, than the normal human, more than the average person, all right? He also lived life with more purpose, more purpose than the average human. But there was another reason that I named this series More Human Than Human, and that's because Peter, at the end of the day, was just like you and me. He was just human, all right? He was ordinary and he was flawed, okay? And, and I think as we look at this whole series, what I hope that you can see is God can use ordinary and flawed people, all right? That's really what I want to get across through this whole four weeks that I'm going to be up here. And it's, that's an amazing thing to hear because I think sometimes we hold the people in Scripture up to be so high that we'll never, ever measure up. And, and, and in one sense that that's true, but on, in the other sense, every one of them was ordinary and flawed, and so I have hope that God can use an ordinary and flawed man like me, Joe Andrews. If he can do that, he could definitely use you. And you're ordinary and flawed just like I am. Some of you have a lot more flaws than I have. Uh, <laughs> I'm so excited about this series. Today, we're actually going to uh, be in a passage that I've actually never preached before. We're actually going to be in a series uh, about Peter, I'm sorry, in a, in a passage about Peter walking on water. And I, as, as I was thinking about this whole series and I was thinking about today's message specifically, I thought, man, what, what would be a good title for my message? And I came up with it finally. It took days. Peter walks on water. Uh, that's, yeah, it was, it didn't, I'm a genius. Okay. Um, <laughs> here's, here's why I love, uh, this passage and, and here's why I, I want you to see that God can use ordinary flawed people. Because if you look back on Peter's life, you see that he never stopped the Lord's will from happening. All right. Even though he was ordinary and even though he was flawed, even though he was a sinner, he never got in God's way of God doing what God wanted to do. So don't we have great hope that God can use somebody like us and we're not going to get in his way. Don't worry. In fact, God specializes in using ordinary and flawed people. In fact, that's all he's ever used. Isn't that great? That's great for you and me. We don't have to worry. We don't have some bar that we have to hit. God can take us and use us for his will exactly where we are and exactly for what he wants to do. Well, this passage is so incredible because we get to see some things in this passage that you and I deal with like on the daily, all right? We're going to talk a little about courage today. We're going to talk about fear today. We're going to talk about faith today. We're going to talk about doubt today. And, and I mean, if I just said, have any of you experienced any of those things in the last week? Probably every single hand 
would raise. These things are real to us, and I hope that they really just come alive uh, through this passage. The usual, the usual teaching that you will hear from this message, all right, when Peter walked on water, when Jesus was walking on water, and then Peter did as well, it, it all goes back to one thing, and the usual teaching is keep your eyes on Jesus and don't look at anything else and you won't sink into the turmoil of this life, okay? Don't look at the winds of this world and don't look at the waves of temptation. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. That all sounds good and it's, it's actually true as well. Unfortunately, I don't feel like that's what this teaches, all right? And so we're going a whole nother direction. What I want us to come away with today Okay, what I want us to see and what I want us to learn today is exactly what Peter learned that night on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the storm. What I want us to learn today is what the disciples walked away with that night. What did they learn? What was it that they learned? What was it that Jesus taught that night? That's what I want to walk away with today. And I'm not going to I'm not going to leave you hanging for long. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now what it is that Jesus taught that night. And this is the whole teaching for today. Okay? It's really simple. Have faith in Jesus. Faith without doubt. Have faith in Jesus. This is the teaching from this passage. As Jesus walked on the water, as Peter walked on the water, this is what those disciples walked away with that night. This was the clear teaching from Jesus that night, and this is what Peter learned that night, and he had to learn it a little harder than the rest of them, didn't he? So that's what I want us to do. Matthew wrote the passage that we're going to be in today. That's pretty significant, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John write about Jesus walking on the water. And we read those stories and we're just like, this is absolutely amazing that Jesus did this. Only one, though, Matthew, mentions that Peter walked on the water. Now, I was kind of thinking as I was looking over this message, I was like, why would the other three not mention this? I'll tell you why. Because Peter was ordinary and flawed. He was never the focal point. The other gospel writers didn't want us to learn a whole bunch about Peter. They wanted us to learn a whole bunch about Jesus. But Matthew, he decides, well, I want them to know what Peter did that night as well. Yes, Jesus walked on the water and it was amazing, but so did another man that night. The really cool thing about Matthew telling us this is guess who was in the boat that night? Matthew. Matthew was there. He was one of the disciples. He was there in the boat. He could have been sitting next to Peter when Peter decided, I'm going to get up and I'm going to throw my leg over this boat and I'm going to step out on that water. And even if Matthew wasn't right next to Peter, he was in the same little boat. So we have a firsthand account of what happened that night, not only with Jesus, who's really the main focus of our message today, but also what happened with Peter and I hope that you guys really, really enjoy uh, this message today. The next thing that I want to do is just set a little bit of context up for you. 
okay? Because this thing that Jesus is about to do came on the heels of another event. That other event was Jesus feeding the 5,000. And we've said from stage a lot, that was 5,000 men with, with women and children. We're probably talking somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20,000 people that Jesus fed, all right? He feeds them with five loaves and two fish. Somehow he does it. The people are absolutely ecstatic, okay? When he fed that many people from almost nothing, they wanted to make him king right then and right there, okay? They were like, okay, since you've done this and we've heard about everything else you've done and we've heard your teaching, now you're doing miracles. We're ready to take you to Jerusalem. We're ready to make you our king. And I'm sure that the disciples were excited about that too. The disciples were like, absolutely. Our teacher, king, absolutely. And so that is kind of the context as we dive in right here to Matthew 14, 22. I want to read it for you. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, okay? He wasn't ready to be king yet. So he's like, all right, disciples, you, you need to go now. You guys are trying to get me to do something I'm not ready to do right now. I came to bring the kingdom of God here, not establish an earthly kingdom here. So why don't you guys go uh, over across the lake, go back to Gennesaret, and I'll meet up with you later. So he tells them to get in the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds, okay? And when I say crowds, we're talking 15 to 20,000 people. I don't even know how you dismiss that many people. It's really hard. Uh, but Jesus did it. He, he gets all of them to go. In fact, he had gone to that place to get some alone time, and all of these people followed him. And so he's like, okay, I'm ready for my alone time now. Everybody can go. I'm not, I'm not going to be king. Uh, don't worry about that. Not in the same way that you're thinking I am. Let's go to verse 23. And after he had dismissed the crowds... He went up to the mountain by himself to pray. We have a glimpse into Jesus' personal life, and he did this often throughout the Gospels, right? He, he would just retreat. He needs a break from the 20,000 people and the 12. 20,012 people that are following him. I mean, all the time they're there. And so he tries to escape. He takes these purposeful moments to go and meet uh, with God. Let's go to verse 24. When evening came... He was there alone, all right? So Jesus is now alone. He's had his time with the Lord. Uh, he's alone there, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land. Some of the other gospel writers tell us it could be like anywhere from a mile or to, to two miles out from the shore. Uh, the disciples were at this time. So they've been on the, the lake for a while now, and the boat is a long way from the land, beaten by the waves. Now the word beaten used here actually means tortured. The boat is being tortured by the wind and by the waves. So these disciples are not having a good time on the Sea of Galilee, all right? It's been beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. So they're also rowing, okay? So they're rowing, they're trying to get to the place and they're just kind of stuck, all right? Let's go to the next verse. This is 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them the fourth watch of the night. So it's a little bit different. Uh, they, they thought about time and they thought about the days a little bit different than you, you and I do. We say that our day starts at midnight, right? That's the, new, the beginning of a new day, the next 24 hours, the whole day. The Jews had this a little bit of a different idea. They, they wanted the, the day to start at 6 p.m. So that's when the, the day would start. And you would start the 24-hour the period 
at, at 6 p.m. and then to the next 24, and then you get back to 6. And so they divided the night into four different watches, three hours apiece. So from 6 to 9 was the first watch. From 9 to midnight was the second watch. From midnight to 3 was the third watch. And the fourth watch of the night is from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., okay? So this is early in the morning when Jesus comes at the fourth watch of the night, walking on the sea. And that is the miracle right there. Jesus is walking on the sea. I don't know if he had just got done praying and he's like, I'm ready for a walk. I'm just going just gonna to take a walk. I'm maybe a walk on the shore. No, nope. I'm going to walk and I'm going to meet the disciples on the lake and I'm going to scare the daylights out of them. That's exactly what he did. I don't know if that was his purpose, but that is what happened. Let's look at uh, verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Now that's got to be an understatement, right? If you see someone walking on the sea, yeah, terrified is an understatement. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear, all right? I don't even believe in ghosts, but I promise you, if it's like 3 or 4 a.m., I've been rowing, and I see someone standing on top of the waves I don't know how else to explain it, except, yeah, it's probably a ghost. So I probably would have been right there with them. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's really a comical scene, but I, I hope that you're already starting to see and feel what the disciples were starting to feel and see. The really great thing is, is all of this happened right before, I'm sorry, right after another miracle. Remember, Jesus had just finished feeding all of those people. They already have faith in Jesus, and they don't know what, the, what is going on right then and right there, but they know that they're, they're in trouble in some way or another, and they have fear in their hearts. And so here's the first thing that I want you to see, is that Jesus inspired confidence in the disciples because of who he was, okay? Let's go ahead and read that verse. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them. Remember, they, they think they've seen a ghost. They're scared, they're terrified, and they're, they're screaming. And Jesus speaks to them saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And with that, he instills confidence in his disciples. Isn't it an amazing thing that Jesus, just by being who he is, could bring confidence to a situation where your boat is being tortured and you think you've just seen a ghost? Their, their faith was suddenly all on him. You know why? Because they, they knew who he was and they had seen what he had done. And so they had confidence. It doesn't matter what's going on now. It's just Jesus. It's him. We've walked with him for three years. We've seen him heal the blind. We've seen him heal the lame. We've seen him cast out demons. We have seen all of these things. It's okay, everybody. He's with us now. We can have confidence. And we see that they had faith in him 100%. He gave them the confidence. He gave them the faith that they needed. And the faith was always based on Jesus. So here's the next thing that I want you to see today is that it took faith without doubt for Peter to walk on water. Okay, this is an important point. It took faith without doubt for Peter to walk on the water. Not just faith, but faith without doubt. Let's watch. Let's go ahead and go to verse 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, 
if it's you, all right? It's, it's actually probably a better translation is since it's you. They already knew it was him. Since it's you, Lord, Peter says, command me to come out to you on the water. Now that took some faith. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. You know how he did it? Faith. Faith without doubt made Peter get out of that boat. Why? Because he had confidence in who Jesus was and he had confidence in what Jesus had done. And because Jesus was there and he was walking on water, Peter thinks, all right, I guess I can do this too. Now, if you're reading a lot of different people talking about this instant scholars and things like that, they will always say that, you know, a lot of the times they'll say, you know, Peter was just trying to outdo the other disciples and things like that. I don't think so. I think Peter just had some faith and he was so excited to see the Lord and see him walking on water. He's like, why not give it a shot? And he just goes for it. So to do it, he had faith without doubt. So if we're going to talk about faith and doubt, what I want to do is kind of explain what those terms mean. So what is faith? All right. Faith is when we believe or trust in something. Okay. So when we believe or trust in something, we have faith in that thing. When it comes to God, we have faith in him because of who he is. Okay, we know that he's loving. We know uh, we know what he's done. We we know we know uh, his character. We know that he's kind and compassionate. He's he's all knowing. He's all powerful. And because of all that, I can put my faith in him. But also because of what he's done, and so I can look in here to see what the Lord has done. And so that's where my faith, that's where my belief comes from. I have faith in this stage right now that it will hold me up. I can also have faith in other things, right? Uh, so I can have faith in this stage. I'm not going to just fall through because I've seen what this stage has done in the past. It holds people up. I saw how this stage was built, all right, with steel and bamboo planks over it. I know that it's going to hold me up. Not one time did I get up here and think, I don't know if I want to walk out there. I'm afraid I'm going to just fall right through, okay? That's faith. Now, Another example, if somebody comes up to me and they said, they said uh, does, does David Burroughs, your pastor, does he, does he watch action movies? And I would say, let me think. I would say, you know what? I have faith in David Burroughs, all right? I have faith because I know who he is, all right? And I know what he's done in the past, and he watches a lot of Hallmark movies. And as I put these two things together, I'm like, does he, does he watch action movies with faith? Without doubt, okay, I can say that the pastor does not watch action movies. He really likes Hallmark movies where unexpected love takes place. <laughs> so what's doubt? If faith is belief, what's doubt? It's uncertainty. It's uncertainty creeping in to our faith. And usually what uncertainty does when it creeps in is it shrinks our faith. It makes our faith a little smaller. Here's the next thing that I want you to see. Uh, it took faith with doubt for Peter to sink, all right? It took faith without doubt for him to walk on the water, but it took faith with doubt for Peter to sink. So he, he walks all the way to Jesus, and then now let's go to the next verse. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. I mean, as he's going down, save me. And Jesus does exactly that. And we'll see that for a second. But this is where Peter fails in our story. Can't you relate to this? 
having faith one moment and the next moment you're like, where's my faith? Uh, there's someone in scripture that said, I believe, help my unbelief. I feel like Peter kind of echoes that here. He had faith without doubt and all of a sudden some doubt crept in and he started sinking. Now, if you read anything about Peter, again, they, they really rake him over the coals for this. And I don't know why. I don't know why we would do that because nobody else on the boat that night had enough faith to get out on the water. And I guarantee you, none of us would probably do what Peter did. So I don't know why we give him such a hard time, especially because we know that we're just as flawed, right? We know that we have problems with our faith as well. So he fails. Now, why did uncertainty enter into the picture? Why was Peter uncertain? Why did he start doubting? I'll tell you why. It's not a hard answer. He was walking on water, guys. This was not something that everybody did. In fact, he had seen one other person do it like that instant, okay? And so when he gets out on faith and then he starts walking on the water, some doubt creeps into his mind because he realizes, oh my gosh, I'm walking on water. How am I doing this? Is the water holding me up? Is it Jesus? And I don't know, but he has some uncertainty that comes in to the picture. And that happens to all of us. And then we have this. Jesus' teaching is implied here. Have faith and do not doubt. Let's look at the next verse. Jesus immediately reached out his hand. This is what Jesus does, right? He immediately reaches his hand out and he grabs Peter. He takes hold of him and he's saying to him, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, all right? When Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, don't think that he's knocking Peter down a notch, all right? Jesus never wanted to discourage faith, okay? He wasn't saying, wow, that was pitiful, Peter, all right? Pitiful Peter, that's your new name, all right? He wasn't doing that. He loved Peter. He saw Peter's faith. He wanted Peter's faith to grow. And so this is more of an encouragement. Peter, you had a little bit of faith. You need more. Why, why did you doubt? It was a teaching moment for Jesus. Here's the really cool thing. What happened next? Then they got into the boat. So what does that mean? That means that Peter had some faith without doubt again, doesn't it? After Jesus had pulled him up, Peter had some faith without doubt again, and they walked back to the boat. Isn't that awesome? So in one instance, we have Peter having this faith without doubt. In the next instance, we have Peter having faith with doubt. He begins to sink, all right? And in the next instant, Jesus pulls him up. And as he pulls him up, Peter gains his faith back. Absolutely, 100%, all right? And he is able to walk back to the boat. That's what Jesus does. He instilled confidence in Peter in that moment. And Peter was able to do what Peter could never uh, do before. I remember when I was in Argentina, people would always come up to me and they would say, el guapo, el guapo, he perdido la fe. And they would, that, that, that means, oh, handsome one, oh, handsome one. <laughs> I've lost my faith. Okay. And, and as, as I look at their situation, I realize they haven't lost their faith. In fact, if their faith is in God, who he is and what he's done, they haven't lost their faith at all. They might feel distanced from God, 
but their faith is in something outside of themselves, outside of the way that they feel. And I would help them kind of come back to this. Peter didn't lose his faith here. Some doubt crept in. His faith kind of shrunk, if that makes sense. Here's the next thing that I want you to see is the disciples worshiped Jesus. And this finishes off our passage right here. And those in the boat worshiped him. They said, truly, you are the son of God. Notice they weren't directing anything towards Peter. They knew that nothing about that was Peter at all. They knew everything about it. The whole scene was all about Jesus and what he had just done. And they worshiped him. So here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that as I've talked today, you're trying to put together some pieces in your life. How, how is my faith? I wonder if I have doubt. Am I more like Peter when he had the faith? Am I more like him when he was sinking? How is my life related to this instance? What can Jesus teach us from this? And so I have a few suggestions, okay? Yeah, no surprise. Here's the first thing I want you to see through this whole passage. Knowing who Jesus is should inspire your faith. Okay? Knowing who Jesus is should inspire you to have faith in him. Why? Well, because we know who Jesus is and we know what he's done. Okay? We know that Jesus is loving because he came to sacrifice his life for us on the cross. We know that he died in our place because of our sin. That's where our faith ultimately lies in Jesus, who he is and what he's done, but not only the things that he's done in here. What about the things that he's already done in your life or some of your friends' lives? What has Jesus done there? And so I think that's what true faith is. When you see Jesus for who he is and for what he has done, that should inspire you to place your faith in him. Here's the next thing I want you to see. You should have faith without doubt. It's what Jesus taught that night, right? Have faith in me. Have faith in Jesus. Faith without doubt. Well, that's really easy to say, but what happens with us sometimes? Sometimes you have faith without doubt. Sorry, sometimes you have faith with doubt. We don't always live our lives with this perfect faith that never doubts. Sometimes doubt creeps into our life. So what do we do when, when, when doubt starts creeping in on our faith, threatening to shrink our faith in who we know because of who he is and what he's done? I think we can do what Peter did. One thing that we can do when that happens is just call out to the Lord. Call out to the Lord and call it what it is. Say, I don't have faith right now. I don't know why. Doubt has crept in and I need you, okay? So that's one thing you can do. Here's the other thing that you can do is you can remember purposely, on purpose, who God is. Remind yourself that he's all powerful. Remind yourself that God is love. Remind yourself that, that he's all knowing. Remind yourself of everything you know about God. And then start remembering on purpose the things that God has done. In here, in here, in your life, 
in your friends' lives, remember that, and I think your faith will begin to come back. Do you know why? Your faith isn't based on what you're going through. It's based 100% on Jesus, and he is constant, and his love for you has never changed. He's already demonstrated it on the cross more than anyone could ever demonstrate their love to you. That's why we can have faith. The next thing that I want you to see is pretty amazing. If you can just kind of fast forward 30-ish years after this incident took place, after Peter had walked on the water, after Matthew saw it, uh, Matthew has, has written it down. Peter, the same Peter, sits down and he writes a letter. And he writes a letter to these people who are suffering because of their faith. All right? And, and what Peter does in this instance is he becomes the teacher of faith. Peter, who always gets knocked for not having enough faith, is now encouraging the church to maintain their faith, even though they may die, even though they may be beaten, even though they may be imprisoned, or all of society is against them, and Peter has something for them to say. Uh, he has something to say to them in 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9. Let's look at it. Now remember, Peter has seen Jesus, but he's talking to people who haven't. And he says, though you have not seen Jesus, you love him. Though you don't see him now, and we can relate to this, we don't see Jesus right now, all right? You believe in him. Remember, Jesus, when, when Peter was walking on the water, never said, Peter, look right here. Look right here, Peter. Don't look to the left or right. Look right here or you'll sink. Don't. That was not the teaching, right? The teaching was, have faith in me, Peter. Faith without doubt. And so he says, though you don't see Jesus now, you believe in him. There's faith, right? You're believing in him even though you haven't seen him. And you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and glorifies God. It's filled with glory. Listen to this. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter's faith, our faith, has an outcome. That outcome is huge. It's the salvation of our souls. When we see God for who he is and for what he's done, and we place our faith in him, the outcome of that is he saves us, just like he saved Peter that night from drowning physically. He will save us from drowning spiritually. So what I hope that you've seen, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is that you should have faith in Jesus. Maybe you've never placed your faith in Jesus. In a crowd like this, there's somebody. Maybe you haven't made that step to put yourself under the lordship of who Jesus is and say, I place all of my faith in you. You died for my sins. I trust you. Or maybe you're somebody that struggles with doubt. Maybe you've let too much doubt come in and it starts shrinking your faith. Remind yourself who God is and what he's done. Maybe you're just somebody here looking for a church a church where they'll, where they'll preach the word of God. You can, you can do that today. In just a moment, any of those decisions, you can, you can come and talk with a pastor up here about. Tell them what's going on in your life. Maybe you just need somebody to pray with you because you see too many parallels in this story to your own life. But hopefully, more than anything, you've seen that you can put your faith in Jesus because of who he is and what he's done. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you so very much. We thank you that you first loved us. We thank you 
that you walked on water first. That's why we can trust in you. That's why we can have faith in you. We thank you for your sacrifice for our sin. Another thing proving to us that our faith is not in vain. It's in the only one who we should ever place our faith in. God, I pray that you would work in our lives and in our hearts. God, that you would help us see when it is we have faith without doubt and when it is that we have faith with doubt. And help us remember that you can pull us up out of that. And we can always place our faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray.